to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to be welcoming you back to this brand new episode of the Learn to Love podcast, where we continue our discussion all about love, uh, commitment, and now we're also going to talk about dependence, interdependence, codependence, independence, and so much more. I'm so happy and excited that you're joining me in this brand new episode to continue our learning journey together. Let's start by summarizing a little bit about what we discussed in the last episode. The last episode and the one before that were all about feelings. We talked about the idea of feelings not having IQ at the beginning that feelings very often glitch. We feel one thing, but we're not actually sure what that feeling means, where it's coming from. For example, we may be very hungry or very tired and instead get very agitated with our partners over something that is really minor at the end of the day, and then we regret doing that. And I'm sure we can all relate to this. The idea that When we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're thirsty, when we're stressed about something else like work, we are so negative sometimes, like so easily provoked and can be really difficult with our partners. And that's the big message that I want you to get here is that feelings glitch, okay? We think that our partner is causing the problem or somebody else, but really it is just that we are not taking care well enough of ourselves sometimes. And yes, there are extreme situations of abuse, um, which I'm not going to get into in this episode, but yes, you know, it takes two to tango, of course. But I want you to think about your own feelings and how they relate to your actions too. Okay, Gretchen Rubin talks about this in her book, The Happiness Project, um, where she discusses that if you act happy, you'll end up feeling happier, the fake it till you make it idea that if something isn't working for you, you can change the way you act and eventually it will come. If you act happy, you'll eventually feel happy, okay? There are a lot of benefits to being happy, not just for your health, but that you are more fun to be around by your peers in general. We'll talk all about happiness in a later episode. But the idea I want you to understand here is that if you are not taking well enough care of yourself, like if you are not exercising enough, if you're not sleeping enough, you're going to feel bad. And this is really kind of common sense. But what's not common sense is that it's so common, okay? Like it's coming from you. We think that the other person is the problem, but often we do we blame them just because it's easier to feel that we're not the ones at fault, okay? But you always have to ask yourself, am I taking care of myself? Am I giving myself what I need to thrive? Sleep, food, okay, healthy, good food, enough water, enough exercise. We talked about why exercise is so, so important. Also, like, For example, some people find a house full of clutter really stressful, like is is your house full of clutter kind of thing. If you have these things going on that make it hard for you to take care of yourself, okay, it's going to be really hard for you to feel good and you're going to blame that often on somebody else because it's easier to think that someone else is the problem 
but it is so empowering when we think that we are the problem. So, so empowering because it opens the door for us to do something about it. When we really believe that we are the problem or that we have responsibility, suddenly there are things that we can do to change because we can't change others, guys. We can help guide others to a certain way, for example, to understand the way that we want to be loved, okay, that love language conversation, more of this in previous episodes, but we cannot fundamentally change somebody, okay, except ourselves. We are the most easily changeable by ourselves, okay, our thoughts, our actions affect us. If there's a problem, I want you to always think about what could I do to make this better? better, okay? And very, very often the answer to this question is going to be to take better care of yourself. We talked about the idea of an airplane, okay? If it loses cabin pressure, it's going to, you have to put your mask on first before you put, you help somebody else put their mask on next to you, okay? Because there's no point of you both going unconscious. Don't worry if you get unconscious though, that Pressure will soon come when the plane descends around 5,000 feet or below, okay? So don't worry. Um, but that's the big idea. You have to take care of yourself to take care of others and to be effective with others. Now, that was like the first episode, okay, that we talked about um, on feelings. So the episode before last one. And then in the last episode, we got into the idea of how feelings relate to love. And we said that love is commitment in spite of feelings glitching sometimes. Love is commitment in spite of feelings glitching sometimes. Our feelings are always going to glitch, okay? They're less likely to glitch if we take really good care of ourselves. But regardless, they are still going to be times when they glitch. It could be related to our hormonal cycles. It could be related to just random events out of our control. Like, I don't know, a change in pressure that gives on a headache because of the weather. Um, or something like just not being able to sleep randomly one night, okay? Our feelings glitch sometimes, and that is a-okay. It's part of being human. When they do glitch, we should try recognize that we can't always be happy, okay? We talked about how people usually feel more or less consistently a 7 out of 10, okay? So you have to do two things here. We have to first recognize that we can't always be 10 and be comfortable with that. And then if we get low, we have to recognize that we're going to come back, okay, eventually. Self-care will help us come back faster, but we just need to recognize that this is going to be a problem sometimes, okay? We can't always be happy. We're going to get down sometimes. This is largely related to just the way that our bodies and our feelings work. And if we feel really negative, that's not a sign that the relationship isn't working out, okay? I mean, if you're consistently feeling negative from the person over a long time, then yeah, okay, maybe there's a sign that something's going wrong. By a long time, I mean two weeks or more. But most of the time, I just, like, if there's just one thing that I could get across is to ask yourself, how am I responsible? How could I be responsible? And just recognize that our bodies are, in general, going to lead us to feel down sometimes. It's just the way our feelings our feelings work. You can think of it kind of like a heartbeat. If you ever look at a heartbeat on like a monitor, you know, it goes up and then it goes down and then it goes back up again. Okay. Like that's just life. You can't always be at a high, but just like accept it and stay with the relationship even through those temporary lows. Any long married couple has had those lows before, okay? But if you get through the lows, then you can enjoy the highs and you have to experience the lows to get to those highs. That's why we have struggle as a phase in the relationship, okay? It's a little bit hard to learn how to work together at the beginning, okay? And even up to two years in, okay? But eventually you'll get it. If you just keep working on it, you'll learn how to work together and your relationship will grow to something that is so beautiful and so much stronger than it would like and, and more happy you know you'll be happier you'll have like so much more to look forward to than you'd be if you were just alone without that relationship 
and those love languages and those other like discussions that, that we talked about can help you accelerate that struggle phase. So just really communicate with your partner um, and learn what they need from you and, and what you need from them a little bit faster, okay? It's going to make the struggle a little bit easier because it's going to set you up with the right conversations to get the information that you need to get to working. Super. Now, in this, in this episode, I want to talk about a relationship in terms of independence, interdependence, and codependence, these things, okay? The difference between having a relationship, like a positive relationship, and then needy dependence, which, is, which can be very negative, and some things that go along with that. So first off, let's just get right into the differences between independence, interdependence, and codependence. I actually didn't know about this well after I started my research, um, and I found the differences quite surprising, and I'm going to give you an analogy too to help you think about this and understand it a little bit better. So what is independence? Independence, we learn from, you know, a very young age being things that we can do on our own. So for example, as we learn to get dressed on our own as children, use the washroom, you know, like how to like be alone at, at you know, when we're with, at the park, we don't need our parents. I mean, our parents are watching us, but we don't need to always play with the parents. We can learn how to play with other children. All of that builds independence. Eventually, we get a little bit older and our parents trust us being alone at the house. That is also, you know, independence, ability to entertain ourselves, to be responsible, independence, doing things on our own, Okay. Now, we talk a lot about relationships and why they are, you know, so important and, you know, you, you work as a team and it's better when you're a team, but then we also say that independence is really important. So then what, what is the difference between this independence and interdependence then? So now interdependence is I can do most of the things on my own but I come to my partner for needs that are beyond the scope of what I can do on my own. So I'll give you an example. This would look like I can entertain myself. I can be alone. Okay. Like I like, to, you know, I don't always need you to be around me. Like you can go out with your friends and I can read a book. Um, I can take care of all of my basic needs. Like I can cook dinner for myself. I can make my bed. I can do my laundry. Like I could survive without you. I could function without you, okay? But for some things that are beyond me, I feel comfortable coming to you for help. So that could look like, let's say that you get into a conflict with a family member or a friend and you're really down and you really need someone to talk to. You don't always have to go to your partner, like you could go to a friend or something too, if, if you have that set up and you feel safe doing so. But just the ability to feel open, coming to your partner to share how you feel, feeling open to say something like, honey, I'm feeling a little bit down right now. When you have time, is it okay if we talk a little bit about, I don't know, like how, how I feel? Like that's not selfish. Sometimes some people think it's selfish, but if you do it for your partner too, I mean, that's what partners are for, right? Partners, partner, you're like a team. You're helping each other. And a great thing that comes with relationships is for the ability, the, the, the opportunity um, for couples to help give emotional support. That actually makes people closer. This is talked about it in Daniel Goleman's Social Intelligence. Um, he makes kind of a joke about this. He says, if you want to get closer to your neighbors, um, ask them to do you a favor. Say something like, um, hey, I don't know, do you mind watching the dog? Or I didn't use this exact example. Or like, um, you know, hey, do you have a ladder? Could you help us, you know, put something up? Um, Hey, like I noticed that you have lots of nice flowers. You seem really good at gardening. I bought these flowers. Could you help me put them in the ground kind of thing? Or could you give me some tips on how to, you know, go about making a nice garden? Um, because when you do someone a favor, it makes you feel closer to them. This goes back to that episode on giving. Um, when you give to somebody, your brain has to justify that you gave to them and you're going to end up feeling closer to them. 
because you gave. So like, you don't want to feel like you gave for no reason. So your brain will sometimes subconsciously not trick you, but just see the idea that it was a good idea to give because we want to feel that we were good giving, that it was a good decision that we made. Okay. Um, and, and we're going to feel closer to that person. And also there's this um, reciprocity that's going on. If somebody gives you something, you feel like you want to give back to them. So like, you know, they helped you plant your flowers. Maybe then you'll invite them for tea or for dessert. Or maybe you'll, you know, you're new to the neighborhood. You want to know a good place to walk. Um, they'll give you some ideas for great trails. And then you invite them to go with you. And, and you, I don't know, sh like share an interesting story with them. This is going to help you come close to your neighbors. But the same concept, okay, with our, with our partners too. There are some things beyond ourselves that we don't need to always feel like we have to do on our own, okay? So that's like emotional support, okay? Physical support too. Sometimes we just really need to be hugged. We just want to be hugged. That's okay. That is why we have our partners there. If we feel down and, you know, we have a safe and healthy relationship, it is totally okay to ask your partner to hug you, okay? If they're comfortable with it. Um, and I'm sure that it will make them feel closer to you too because of that whole reciprocity and just connection, guys. People like connection. When you ask for a hug, you're leaning into your relationship. You are creating an opportunity for connection because hugging goes both ways. Like you, you feel good that they're hugging you and they feel good that they're hugging you. It's like a win-win. Okay. So that would be interdependence. Independence is doing things by yourself, okay? Now, this is, like, good for your basic needs, okay? Doing your laundry. I mean, you guys can cook together and do laundry together, but you should know how to do this yourself and have just your basic, like, self-esteem needs met, too. Like, it's not your partner's job to boost your self-esteem. I mean, I mean, it's great if they do, but you should be able to have a stable self-esteem with, without your partner in the picture, okay? Like, I know that people's self-esteem gets a hit if they lose their partner, but I'm just saying, like, you want to be able to function as a human being without your partner. Like, if you say that your partner, like, you, you, your partner is, like, the sole reason for your existence kind of thing, and you would, like, die, you know, if you couldn't be with your partner. I mean, I get it if you've been with them for your whole life, and you're, like, very old, um, and you really, you know, some people really feel this and there's this thing that you can die from a broken heart, okay? But I'm just saying it's, it's not so healthy to put that much pressure on your partner. You want to be able to function as a human being. You want to have friends outside the relationship. We know this, okay? But you need like sources of positive self-esteem that come from outside the relationship. You need to be able to be alone to entertain yourself, okay? You can't always need your partner for everything or that is just needy dependence, Okay? needy dependence is when you're essentially like a baby in a sense that's kind of a needy dependence because although the relationship does go both ways because a baby gives a parent extraordinary joy much of the time um not always but much of the time um and gives us a tremendous source of meaning and positive feeling in the parents gives them almost like a will to live um a baby is essentially like extremely needy on the parent for every, every aspect of their survival. If a parent, you know, left a baby for 24 hours, you know, God, God forbid, and didn't, you know, leave them with anyone to feed them, hold them, care for them, not only would that be child abuse, but the baby could also die, okay? Like babies need parents, need adults, need people, okay? Like to raise them. They are extremely, extremely dependent on others around them. Now, a fundamental part of growing up is when you become less dependent, okay? So, baby needs an adult for everything. You know, as, as you become a teenager, you start to push back a bit. And then as you become a young adult, it's like, oh, I don't need adults for anything. You know, it's like, I'm so independent. I could do anything. What do I need others for? But guys, so it's all about striking a balance. It's about coming to your partner for emotional support, okay? Physical support, like opening up to them, sharing your day with them, doing things together, but also being able to function on your own, okay? Function on your own. Entertain yourself, have positive self-esteem, stable self-esteem, stable self-image, okay? Like without, without your, like, you're, you don't need your partner for these things. It puts too much pressure on them. Guys, we're both, 
humans, like you and your partner, you're both human, you both have your own problems, you both have a lot going on sometimes, you both have your own stresses, your own commitments, you cannot have such a huge duty to be like the sole reason for the other person's self-esteem. It is just too, too much. You cannot be so needy that the, the other person can't even go out with their friends or else you'll feel miserable and depressed. No, like you need to be able to be alone and to entertain yourself. And if, if you're finding this to be an issue, okay, then you can go to counseling, therapy. There's tons of books on this. There's tons of blogs and communities about this. We got into it a little bit on the blog. Um, so you can see that on our blog, but we're going to focus on that in future, future blog posts. Um, but just know that you're not alone, okay? But the big idea here is that you want your love for the person to exceed your need for the person, okay? Because if you love them only out of necessity, I don't know if you could really count that as love. This could actually be like a, a philosophical, kind of moral, ethical discussion. Because if, if you say that you only need them, then can you actually love somebody that you are so desperate to need? Or do you just need them? Because like if you didn't have them, you, you like wouldn't be able to survive. It takes kind of a sense of free will to love. It's like I'm loving you out of my own free will. I'm choosing to love you. It's not that I need to love you kind of thing, because I need you. It's kind of like I'm choosing to love you. That's what we want, okay? So when, when your love for them exceeds your need for them, okay, then you can actually make that choice. Now, at the beginning of a relationship, sometimes when our hormones are going crazy, we might really, really feel like we need them. We need constant love and attention. We're like addicted to these hormones, these sensations that we're getting from them. And we think that they're our savior and that they would do like, like anything for us. Okay. We're making a fantasy of what we think that they are. We're actually projecting all of the things that we've ever wanted in a partner on them sometimes, okay? Now, what's going to happen is we're going to realize that they're only human. They can't do everything. They can't solve all the problems that we've ever had in our entire life. And if we feel like we need them to and we expect them to, then that is just needy dependence, okay? And we have to think about where this comes from. I'm not going to get so much into it here, but if you really feel like you need your partner to do everything for you, I want to ask you if, if you ever felt neglected as a child, because maybe you want in adulthood all the things that you miss so dearly in childhood. Okay. Where a lot of your needs unmet during childhood and suddenly you want them all met now. Are you expecting all of this just because you didn't have it growing up? It's a big thing. Are you scared of being abandoned? Maybe we project all these things onto them because we're, we're very scared of being abandoned. And yes, being abandoned is a very painful sensation. But, but there's a difference between like being extremely scared of abandonment as if we wouldn't be able to live without the partner and just you know being like uncomfortable with the idea of abandonment or, or scared because it would really cause a lot of pain. Now, it's okay to, be, to, to have experienced a huge amount of pain I mean, I, I can't tell you it's okay to experience or not experience pain, but I'm just saying it, it makes more sense if you've been with them for many decades to have this kind of pain. But if you feel such a pain after like three months of dating, okay, or less, then I'm not even sure that you were ever really in love with the person because I think it takes longer than a few months to build, to get to working, the working stage when you really feel like you understand each other. So that's the thing. If if you feel like this addiction at an early stage, it could be a neediness, like like just very dependent, desperate neediness, kind of like the way a child needs a parent. Okay. And remember, we all like to project fantasies at some point. It's cute, it's romantic, but if it gets excessive, it puts so much pressure on our partners because they feel like they have to perform at this level, like 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 some sort of heavenly level that they're only human and they, you know, they can't do that. And if you, if you project such a fantasy on them, your dreams are eventually, eventually going to be crushed, unfortunately, in the majority of cases because they just can't fulfill all of these dreams, okay? So we're talking here about dependent neediness. Now, another thing I want to talk about I want to talk about is codependence, okay? So what is codependence? Codependence is when your identity as a person comes from serving others 
and you need to serve others to thrive and to function. Okay, codependence. It's when you need to serve them, you need to do something for them. You need them, in a sense, to have an identity in the first place. Now, this can be very, very harmful for a number of reasons. The first is that if your entire identity comes about the idea of serving others, then you really have nothing to yourself. It's kind of like, maybe I feel that I'm not, I'm not valuable, I have nothing to offer, kind of based on my own merit. So instead, I'm just going to obsessively do for others, okay? Because like, I have nothing unless I do for others. Now, there are a lot of benefits doing good things to others, okay? But you don't want to be taken advantage of. You don't want somebody to just completely like have full control over everything you do, everything that you are, you know, you have a test coming up or you have like a major work assignment, but your friend, you know, is bored and they want to go out with somebody. So you go out with them and then your test ends up going badly or you don't finish your work assignment on time. It's putting others before you all the time. Okay. The codependence, you're dependent on them to form your identity. Now this is very, very harmful. Okay. Because our partners are going to have lives too. And we have our own life. We can't always put our lives on holes, okay? If our entire identity is doing for others, we need to really, really, really think about who we are, what we like, what we value, and build who we are, our own understanding of who we are. This could come, this, this idea of codependency, this role, could come from roles taken in the family. For example, like when you were younger, um, where your needs never met kind of thing, where did people never take you seriously when you expressed your needs? Or did people always blame you for things or make you do things for others? Well, then that would be, that, that could lead you to codependence. If you felt that you always had to do for others growing up and your own needs never mattered, then that's a learned behavior, learned rule, kind of almost habit that's formed that you could take with you into adulthood. Okay, but we need to recognize this. So in a relationship, this could look like one partner just obsessively doing things for the other partner, um, which, you know, a partner might, might, the other partner might like at the beginning, but it's not going to work. It's not going to be very enjoyable for long because that partner will never be satisfied. The one who's always doing, doing, doing will never be happy because they're almost numbing in a sense, an essence of who they are. It's kind of like a, I don't know who I am, so I'm just going to keep doing for others. Um, but it's not going to fully satisfy them in most of the case. And most of the time, they'll always feel like something is missing. So if, you know, there, there are a lot of benefits for doing things for others in the short term and, and just in general, but you should put a limit on the amount that you do for others. You have to always take care of yourself first. Big, big theme throughout this podcast is I have to take care of myself to take care of others, okay? But just think about it. Like, are you telling yourself, I love this person, okay? I, I love him because I need him to feel good. I love her because I need her to feel myself. Guys, you're going to suffocate them. We can end up suffocating them with this huge burden, they are our partners, okay, our friends, not our parents, and they won't fulfill the role of baby parent, okay? Just something to, to think about. Now, what, what is love then? What is this interdependence? So we talked about it. I can take care of most of my needs on my own. I come together when there is something ab above what I'm able to take care of on my own, which is okay. Like emotional support. Sometimes you just need a shoulder to cry on. That's okay. But what are all these examples? Shoulder to cry on. Okay. Cuddling, hugging. Also like shared activities together. So we, we need people uh, for many circumstances. One of them just for like basic happiness too. Like, yeah, it's important to be able to take care of yourself when you're, like alone without somebody else. Um, like what I mean, like what I talked about before, having a stable sense of self, self-esteem, character without your partner. But it's very enjoyable to do things together with another person. So you could create a partnership essentially where you travel together, you explore new things together, you help each other achieve your dreams, um, you 
like like you just share experiences together you really want to try a new kind of food you bring your partner along if they're interested and you go you make a nice dinner outing together um you're reading your book alone and you think it'd be more fun to read like with your partner and your partner also likes to read then you think about ways that you could read together kind of thing like you listen to an audiobook together while you lie in bed or you go to the park and you sit under a tree and you each bring your book and you read this is an example of interdependence it's it's like being able to live on like like being able to function as a human being okay alone um but then also doing things together that are more fun when you do it with someone else as a team. And the beauty, the beauty of being human is that many of the basic needs that we have are very similar to those of our partners. So like, for example, we feel lonely when we're by ourselves for a long time. Sometimes, you know, our partners do too. We enjoy doing things with company. Our partners do too sometimes. But then again, we also need the space that we need to thrive so we don't feel suffocated. So we want to have some alone time just to be ourselves or just to talk to our friends, have things outside the relationship to help us thrive. Our partners need that too. But the thing is that they don't, while you know the needs are similar, the way that people express those needs and how much of those needs they they utilize to thrive, they want to utilize to thrive, is up to the individual, okay? They're like individual differences. I know you see this with kids, like you'll have two kids and the one kid is very different to the other one, okay? Um, that's why we have a discussion on our needs, wants, expectations of the relationship. We make it very clear to them what do we need from them, what do we expect from them, what do we want from them so we can know how we can help them, okay? Be interdependent, how we can help them have the independence they need to thrive, the independence that they want to have, but also be available for them for the moments where they come together, okay, where we want to come together. A way you can think about this coming together too is like a third entity, okay? So in an unhealthy relationship, the relationship is kind of like one entity kind of thing. It's like you and your partner in this one bubble, and there's nothing outside of that bubble. And that, that doesn't work because it doesn't give us enough space that we need to thrive and enough contacts outside the relationship to keep our life going, okay? Like, we can't be independent if, our whole, if the relationship is like our whole life, okay? Because if our partner is doing everything with us all the time, then how can we be independent? Like, there aren't even opportunities to be independent. We're going to both feel suffocated. Remember that analogy with a tree. If two trees grow too close together... There's not enough nutrients in the soil and the trees suffocate, okay? A better way to think about it is a third entity. Think of like three bubbles, okay? You in one, your partner in another, and the relationship is a third. This is a very, also like, like topic discussed in many um, religions, um, like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, um, where the relationship is like a third agreement in a sense. Uh, we say we, we're not going to talk about religion much on the show, so I'm not going to get into that. But I just want you to understand that like philosophers and others are thinking about this too for a long time. The relationship being a third entity, that you have a life outside of the relationship, okay? You have friends, hobbies, passions, commitments, work, okay? Like, like social life, things that you like to do to be alone too. Have others help you take care of your needs too, Okay. And the relationship is a place that you come together when you feel like you can't take care of it on your own, okay? Just remember that three bubble kind of thing. You, your partner, and the third bubble being that relationship. You want to be able to live, thrive, and enjoy your own individual bubbles too. And have that discussion with them, needs, bonds, and expectations to know what your expectations are between moving between those bubbles. Now, another analogy that I want you to think about is a house. I like using house analogies on this show because everyone can relate to like a house. They know what it looks like. You know, a lot of people know what it feels like. Or that, you know, everyone's, most people have been in a house before. Um, I know in like developing regions that may not be the case, um, but most people can still understand the concept of, of a house, what it looks like, okay? Now a house, and actually virtually any building, has a foundation, okay? 
it's kind of like the tree. It's like just as, well, not just as much, but like very much underground as much as it is above ground to prevent the building itself from just sinking in the soil or whatever it's built on out of weight. Okay? That's, you know, part of what basements are, like part of the foundation. Um, now, I want you to imagine that you and your partner are the foundation to a house. And the house is kind of the burden of life and all the experiences that make up life and challenges associated with life itself. So I want you to imagine that like you are, are one cylinder, your partner is one cylinder, and you're on opposite ends of this house at the underneath it, okay? Or you can imagine if it's easier, imagine like a flat surface like, like a, I don't know, soil or something with two cylinders on it, one on each side, and then a house on top. Now, the more that you fill yourself up before you get into the relationship, the more you understand who you are, how to be independent, how to navigate life, how to take care of yourself, okay, how to have friends, how to succeed in work, how to, um, you know, make goals and keep them and be disciplined and you know, motivate yourself. This is all the things that fill up the cylinder, okay? The more of this you have going in, the more of the house you can support. So if you come into the relationship feeling very empty, if the cylinder under the house is empty, what's going to happen is it's going to collapse. It's not going to be able to support the weight of the house and the house is going to fall over. Okay, it's going to collapse to the side. Now, if both of the cylinders are empty, it's going to collapse down, okay, and sink into the soil. That's not what we want. But the idea here is to prevent yourself from getting into this needy dependence where your need for them is greater than the love for them, and you can't even, who, who knows if you're really in love with them, um, if, if it's a question of free will or not, kind of thing, and also just suffocating them from just so much dependence and need. Um, is the cylinder empty, Okay. If you have this, are you not doing the preparation before and during the relationship to be able to motivate yourself, take care of yourself, okay, to fill up the cylinder with like concrete or something strong to be able to hold the burden of the house? Life has a lot of stresses, okay? Like, I mean, life is very beautiful, but there's a lot of challenges involved, like, you know, with children being unpredictable, with work, with the situation in the, you know, economy, world, unpredictable. All of these things are like the burdens that go onto that house. But the more you fill yourself up, the more you learn to take care of yourself, the less dependent you're going to be on your partner, the more comfortable you're going to be coming to your partner for help, the more satisfied you're going to be with your relationship and also with life in general, guys. It feels really good to be able to take care of yourself, okay? And it feels really good to feel confident that you're able to take care of yourself and comfortable going to your partner for needs that are above you, okay? Like needing a shoulder to cry on, needing somebody to hug. That's okay. Those are great needs. As long as you don't always need them or else, you know, suffocation. So what do you do if your partner, you feel like you are not independent enough, like you want to be more independent, okay? Well, my advice here would be really to just try fake it till you make it, okay? We talked about this. If you act a certain way, you'll eventually end up either through habit formation, we talked about this all in our section on habits, or just through um, like the skills you pick up on the way, um, or through the identity that you start thinking of yourself now that you do that, um, you will become that. So, I mean, not in every circumstance. If you, you know, if you, if you fake flying, you're not going to be able to magically learn how to fly. But if you fake trying to be more independent, eventually it will come to you. You'll start to recognize opportunities more to learn. And you can learn this kind of stuff too. And so, for example, like, what's a something, make a list of, that you think independent people do or like things that independent people are really good at. Maybe one of those things could be like meeting friends, arranging events with friends, okay? Speaking on the phone with other people outside of the relationship so that we can be able to support, you know, ha have some emotional support uh, outside and we're not fully dependent on our partner for all our emotional support because that's like a huge thing to ask from them. How could we do that? We could think about who were we friends with in high school, in elementary school, in university. It's easier than ever today to get in contact with people through Facebook and through other social media tools and also through online video um, streaming. Just reach out to them. Say, hey, long time. You know, I know we haven't spoken in a while. Um, how are you doing? 
kind of thing. Maybe you won't be best friends anymore like you were then, but at least you can speak to them on the phone once a month, and that's a start in emotional support. Another thing is you could look for events to meet people. What's an excellent way to meet people is through doing classes. Classes, like you could go to the gym and you can start a yoga class, um, a dance class, a karate class, and just start to meet people and make friends with the people in that class. Okay, when you cross paths with people, you like event, you know, and, and you're friendly and you smile, um, you'll start to meet them also with your work kind of thing. Like who are who are people at your work that you want to get to know more? Why don't you arrange like a video call once a month where you guys talk about how things are going? Or have you ever tried inviting people over to your house for dinner? Like these are all things that you can do to build a support network outside of just your partner to make less of a burden on them. It's going to help you love them more, more out of your own, again, free will and less out of needy dependence. Um, another thing you can do to start feeling better, like we talked about in the earlier episodes, is just exercise, sleep better, eat better, drink better, okay? Drink more water. Um, how can you learn to eat better? Go online. There's like a million YouTube videos and recipes online for free that will teach you how to eat better. I know there's a lot of conflicting information, but also just check out your country's food guide. Like here in Canada, you can see Canada's food guide. It'll give you great free knowledge paid for by your tax money on how to eat well, how to exercise well, and so, so, so much more you can find online. The more you take care of yourself, the less burden you're going to put on your partner, the more you can love them, the more you can be independent and feel comfortable being interdependent and the less codependent, okay, he'll have to be. It's going to be so much easier for you and your partner. You're going to feel so much better and you're going to really start to love them in a whole new light, a true love, not a needy love, okay? And for codependence, um, specifically, if your entire identity comes about hosting others, taking care of others, and you really don't know who you are, and you feel very lonely, very sad whenever you're by yourself, and you feel like you always need people, okay? There are things you can do to take better care of yourself to explore who you are. Maybe you never had the opportunity to have your needs met and explore who you really are as a person, but it's never too late to start. You can have a new hobby. For example, reading, running, cooking. You can learn to do that. You can start journaling, writing a diary um, of, of things that you want to think about yourself, things that you want to do, or things that you're grateful for, or appreciate in your life. You can start to think more about who you are. Like, what do you like? What do you enjoy? What do other people like about you? What do you want to become? What do you want to be? And start to think of other roles, okay? Other, other pieces of you that can help to form your identity. We don't want to put all our eggs in one basket. If our entire identity is pleasing others, um, not only are we putting a huge pressure on others to always be pleased by us, you know, maybe they don't want to always hang out. Maybe they don't always want to go for a walk because they need time for themselves too. And then if we feel really bad and we tell them, you know, you made me feel really bad that you didn't want to hang out with me, we're putting a huge pressure on them and we're making them feel bad too. And it's also a little bit controlling. Sometimes if you feel like you always want to do good for others and you get mad at them when they don't let you do good for them, it's kind of like we're forcing our agenda on them. And we think, you know, it's good to do good for others, but everything is good within reason, okay? If it's, if it's kind of taking over their life and not letting them have the space that they need to thrive and grow, that can be problematic too. So what we can do is just explore new aspects of what can be our identity, finding new hobbies, taking classes, meeting people, okay? Like like just getting getting other aspects of ourselves and learning how to be alone. This is a really, really big thing is learning how to be alone, how to be happy alone, how to regulate your emotions and still be satisfied when you're alone. Yes, people feel lonely sometimes and loneliness can kill and loneliness is really harmful, but everyone I think needs to learn how to be alone in some moderation, okay? Like your partner has to go out with their friends, you have a few hours by yourself to read to walk, to watch a movie, to relax, to paint a painting, to sculpt something, to try a new recipe, to speak on the phone with your family, okay? Like just how to be alone. It's a huge skill. It's hugely helpful. And it's going to make our partners so relieved when they see that they don't always have to entertain us and take care of us because we can take care of ourselves too. 
A final message that I want to end on here before we move on to the next episode, where we're going to talk all about numbing and kind of like the numbing epidemic that we have going on in society today. I want to just leave you with the message that love shouldn't hurt. It really shouldn't hurt. You shouldn't feel suffocated. You shouldn't resent, okay, your partner. You shouldn't feel bad that you're in a relationship, okay? It really shouldn't hurt. It should be fun. It should be like a partnership, like a team, like two best friends who make their lives better, who open doors for each other, who give us opportunities to smile and help us just, you know, be more productive and happier and and just all around like better people, okay? Think of it in any case, like a partnership, like a team. It's not supposed to hurt. If it hurts, we need to have a conversation like you and your partner, about, about needs, wants, unmet expectations, unmet dreams, okay, different things that are causing these feelings to come up. And it's not always the case that you're not the right people for each other. This is what a lot of people get wrong. And this is honestly something that I really don't enjoy when I, people say, when, I, when I see people say, you know, as soon as it's not working, I'm out. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, too, it's too fast. It's like, I, I think it's a little bit immature um, because it neglects everything else that a relationship can be and how adaptable many people are, okay? Like, yeah, if it's not working for a long time and you just met them, then it's a different story. Um, but always understand that people change, okay? Like, we can't change them, but I'm just saying that over time, people are generally, like, pretty adaptable. If you can just clearly communicate, okay? If you can consistently... If you can find a new strategy to to get to them, maybe through seeing a counselor, the both of you kind of thing, um, don't underestimate people's potential. That, that's actually what I'm trying to get at. Just don't underestimate people's ability to understand once the roadblocks are moved out of the way, once the unresolved insecurities and issues are taken care of, okay? Once the projection and other things that we're doing with our partners and the criticism and contempt and and things that are hurting each other are dealt with, okay, in more productive ways. And we learn how to just just much more clearly express our needs. And also to stop judging our partners. Like people are so judgmental sometimes, then things can get better. Okay? We often underestimate how hard we work compared to how hard other people work. People are working so, so hard, guys, very often, and we don't see everything that they do. Okay, um, we just need to keep an open mind. Okay, work on taking care of ourselves. Will be much more fun to be around, um, and and as we learn to be clear and set limits, um, effective limits, and learn tools to deal with conflict resolution. Okay, we can help nurture our relationship and make it much more enjoyable, and likely to continue to thrive and help us overcome our goals, our dreams, okay, our insecurities, and so much more. And also, not only can relationships be so positive for this reason, but again, as we talked about in earlier episodes, they can also help us to live longer, to be healthier, and so much more. There are a bunch of studies coming out over the past couple of years showing the tremendous positive benefits health-wise, life expectancy-wise, happiness-wise, of having a healthy and strong relationship, which we can build through the tools discussed in the show. So thank you so, so, so much for listening to this episode where we talked about the difference between independence, interdependence, codependence, okay? Um, where their roles are in a relationship, how they can be harmful and beneficial, how to use them. Remember, we want to focus on interdependence, taking care of most of our needs on our own, and coming to our partner for things that are beyond our ability to take care of ourselves, okay? But like like rarer kind of thing. Like we can take care of 95% of our own needs, and then 5% that needing a hug, needing somebody to cuddle with, wanting to do something together, um, needing a shoulder to cry on, we feel comfortable coming to our partner. We still need to come to them. We can't only be independent because that's going to bring down our emotional bank account. So we need a balance, okay? And we're going to find that balance through just practice and also just clearly communicating the expectations that we have with our partner about the relationship. 
okay? Coming together to create connection, but not too much. It's going to lead to suffocation, not too little. It's going to make our partners feel abandoned, okay? But don't worry. Just talk about the expectations. Do some practice. Couples, figure this out. It'll help you get to the working stage and help you really enjoy the benefits of a beautiful, strong, and healthy relationship. In the next episode, we're going to talk all about numbing, how people are trying to numb their emotions through a variety of tools like cell phones, social media, um, TV, like a whole bunch of other things. We're going to talk about numbing kind of from a societal perspective, from an individual perspective, talk about some books and people's experiences with numbing, and then get more into how to be a little bit more in touch with our bodies and our feelings and why that is so important for our self-esteem. Numbing is also going to be, uh, when we explore, like a reason that some people get into a relationship. They're looking for something extreme, something different to stop them from feeling a certain way that they've been feeling for a while. But as we're going to find out, this often doesn't work if you are seeking a relationship because primarily of numbing, that feeling is not going to go away. It's going to go away at the beginning, but then it's going to come back because that's just how feelings work. A relationship can't be like a band-aid to stop a feeling from arising. Okay, we're going to learn how to deal with that um, so that we can really enjoy the full benefits of a relationship. If you like the show and you want to see more, please check out our website, learnlove.ca, and look at our blog, learnlove.ca slash blog. Check out our social media, Learn to Love, on Facebook and Pinterest, and Learn to Love Media on Instagram and Twitter. I can't wait to interact with you there. And please send me an email to let me know what you think about the show, what you want to see next, at contact at learnedlove.ca. I read all the emails that we receive, and I'm super excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you for taking the time to build a better, stronger relationship and to create a healthier dynamic with the way you treat yourself, okay, with your family, your partner. I hope that this content will help you stay together and give you a more healthier, enjoyable life and experience with your partner, friends, and family in general. Thank you again so much for listening, and I can't wait to welcome you back in the next episode where we continue our discussion and get all into numbing.